0: Listen in as we address your financial concerns and provide helpful solutions to put you on the path to achieving your retirement goals. And now, here is Retire at Peace with Gerald G. Ginwright. Hello and welcome back to Retire at Peace. This is
1: Gerald G. Jinright with Mainstream Financial Group. If you would like more information about what you hear on today's show, give us a call at 888 888- Three two four zero five eight nine, or visit us online at retire dot com. And while at my website, click on the radio page and check out our past shows and subscribe on Apple Podcast or Spotify. President Joe Biden's recent signing of the Inflation Reduction Act has drawn significant coverage in both general and financial news sectors. While the bill's name is fairly straightforward, as with most pieces of large legislation, the details are anything but. The Inflation Reduction Act includes cash incentives for purchasing electric vehicles, tax breaks to accelerate the country's move to renewable energy sources, and a potential reduction for health care costs for many Americans by allowing Medicare to directly negotiate prices with drug manufacturers. But that's just the tip of a legislative iceberg. On today's show, we're going to peel the Inflation Reduction Act apart in a way that hopefully provides a deeper understanding of what this massive piece of legislation could mean to you, your wallet, and your financial strategy. A Time article, What You Need to Know About the Inflation Reduction Act, has some excellent information for us. First, we should note, this certainly wasn't a piece of bipartisan legislation. The bill passed the Senate on a 51 to 50 vote on August 7th. It then squeaked through the House in a 220 to 207 vote on August 12th. President Joe Biden then signed the legislation into law. Many of you will likely recall news stories several months ago regarding Biden's proposed Build Back Better legislation, which was essentially a much larger proposal that included many of the elements of the Inflation Reduction Act. After rounds of negotiations, it was clear Build Back Better wasn't going to make it through Congress, and thus the Scaled Down Inflation Reduction Act was born. I think that it's fair to say that climate change is one of the bill's top priorities. It invests more than three hundred sixty billion dollars in energy and climate change programs over the course of the next decade. That includes significant incentives for those looking to purchase electric vehicles in hand with that. It supplies tax breaks designed to increase the pace of the United States shift to renewable energy. Those who support the bill claim it may reduce carbon emissions by almost 40% by the year 2030, which is about 10% less than Biden was hoping for in his Build Back Better legislation. However, goals and reality are two different things, so only time will tell us if 40% is accurate. Additionally, the legislation supplies $60 billion to cities that are expected to be disproportionately affected by climate change. Many more millions will be supplied to Native American communities for, quote, climate resiliency funding. So here is the million-dollar question, or I guess in this situation, the billion-dollar question. How is this going to get paid for? The aim is for the bill's costs to be covered, at least in part, by a new 15% minimum tax rate that will be applied to corporations with profits of a billion dollars or more. The bill also requires companies to pay a 1% tax when they buy their own stock back while also greatly enhancing the IRS's tax evasion enforcement. The money for the IRS tax evasion enforcement has drawn the most criticism of the bill, with some arguing it could lead to armed IRS agents knocking on doors to conduct audits. But what's the reality? According to a Kiplinger article, the Inflation Reduction Act and Taxes, what you should know, the legislation will funnel an additional $80 billion to the IRS during the next decade. However, to date, it is not clear how that money will be spent. Though, it's anticipated the IRS will use about $45 billion to improve its tax enforcement. That may mean increasing staffing levels and bringing badly outdated processing systems up to date. In fact, to that very point, $5 billion is specifically earmarked for technology. Finally, an additional $25 billion of that $80 billion figure is slated for enhancing the IRS's overall operations. So, the legislation is called the Inflation Reduction Act, which, I have to admit, is certainly attention-grabbing. I mean, given that certainly in the midst of inflation rates not seen in decades it seems like targeting inflation is the right move but you're probably wondering if this legislation will actually do something to cool inflation according to the congressional budget office an independent agency that supplies nonpartisan budget and economic information to congress the bill's impact on inflation is likely to be, in its words, negligible. At the same time, however, the Congressional Budget Office is predicting the legislation will reduce the federal deficit by as much as $102 billion during the next nine years. Earlier in the show, We noted that the bill now allows Medicare to negotiate drug prices directly with manufacturers, and I think we should spend more time on that very subject. An AARP article, Landmark Bill to Cut Prescription Drug Prices Signed into Law, has the key details. In addition to allowing Medicare to negotiate drug prices for the first time, the legislation puts a $2,000 yearly cap on how much Part D prescription drug plan enrollees will have to pay out of pocket for medications and levies tax penalties on drug manufacturers that increase their prices beyond the rate of inflation. Medicare-provided insulin is also capped at $35 a month and also ends out-of-pocket expenses for many vaccines under Medicare. The nonpartisan Congressional Budget Office thinks Medicare may save hundreds of millions of dollars over the next decades thanks to the ability to negotiate the prices on some prescription drugs as well as Potential tax rebates to encourage drug companies to keep prices at or below the inflation rate. The newly signed legislation provides a three year extension to the expanded subsidies. And other financial enhancements that were first included in last year's American Rescue Plan that were designed to reduce the expenses of health insurance plans available in the Affordable Care Act marketplace. According to the AARP, those subsidies have been especially critical for people between the ages of 50 and 64, who sometimes pay up to three times more for health insurance let's take a closer look at what the Inflation Reduction Act means for Medicare Part D again for the first time out-of-pocket expenses for Medicare Part D prescriptions will be capped for older Americans that's a really big deal beginning in 2025 Part D enrollees won't have to pay more than $2,000 a year for their share of Part D prices. And beginning in January 2023, most vaccines will be free through Medicare, according to the article. And as for Part D, listeners should also be aware that its premiums can't go up more than 6% a year through at least 2029. Additionally, the income ceiling for beneficiaries to qualify for a subsidy to help cover Part D, out-of-pocket expenses, has risen from 135% of the federal poverty level to 150% of the federal poverty level. That's an increase from 18347 for an individual in 2022 to 20000 385 dollars for that same individual let's briefly address how medicare will be allowed to negotiate drug prices to start the legislation allows the health and human services secretary to start negotiating prices for 10 high cost prescription drugs in 2023 And those negotiated prices will be put into place in 2026 for Part D and in 2028 for medications covered by Medicare Part B. From there, the number of drugs Medicare is allowed to directly negotiate will increase. By 2029, 60 drugs will be part of a negotiation process. What happens if a manufacturer refuses to negotiate in good faith, according to the terms of the law? If a drug manufacturer walks away from the negotiating table, the federal government can hit them with a tax of as much as 95% of their sales from the previous year. Clearly. That's a potential hammer designed to provide drug manufacturers with a clear incentive to continue negotiating until a mutually agreeable price is determined. Plan well and retire at peace. If you've enjoyed today's show, visit us at retiredpeacepodcast.com and click on my radio page. Also, be sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcast or Spotify. And finally, if you want more information about what we discussed today, give us a call at 888-324-0589. Thanks for listening. And until next week,
0: this is Gerald G. Genwright. Thank you for listening to Retire at Peace. Don't pay too much for taxes or retire without a sound retirement plan. For more information, Please contact Gerald G. Ginwright at Mainstream Financial Group. Call 205-324-0589 or visit him online at retireatpeacepodcast.com.